Good morning. This is the podcast for San Diego First Church of the Nazarene, and I'm Dee Kelly, and so glad to be with you as we dig into the Word together. Our church is located at 3901 Loma Land Drive in the Point Loma area of San Diego. We certainly would enjoy having you join us on a Sunday morning. We have Sunday school classes at 9 o'clock and church services at 1030. In addition, we have midweek programming that will come into full bloom uh, starting in March with the Ash Wednesday service that we will hold in our Ellipse Chapel. Um, and in the weeks that follow, we have adult programming, children's programming, programming for teens. And if that's something that you might enjoy, we would love to have you join us. You're welcome to call the church office or go to our church website at sdfcnaz.com. We are looking this morning at a passage in John chapter 1, and it begins in verse 1. This is a passage that my mom, when I was a little boy, encouraged me to memorize. I memorized the first several verses of this, but this is a reading that takes us from verse 1 to verse 19. I would like to read it for us now. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and lived for a while among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth... They came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the only Son, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. Now this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This writing of John, he does a beautiful job of inviting his audience into a storyline that he is going to present in this gospel, the gospel of John, the story of Jesus Christ. And he does it by invoking the language that is so familiar to many of them, 
the language of the beginning of the Old Testament. It is language that is borrowed for the purpose of um, solidifying or um, making it viable for the people in his audience to hear and connect their faith system to this understanding of the Messiah, the Christ, Jesus who had come. And so, listen to the familiarity of what I just read. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. To that which we find in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. This is the same language that we find here. In John chapter 1, verse 3 uh, and 4 and 5, it says that in him was life and the life was the light of humankind. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. This is a way by which John's audience is emotionally and intellectually drawn into the storyline of Jesus. And what is this storyline? It's a story of the incarnation. God come to be with us. It is a story that tells us this one, the Messiah, the Christ, was there at the beginning. Through Christ, all things were made. The creative force of God, there at the beginning of all time, in fact, before time even begins. But I want to acknowledge some things. What is this language that we find? It says in Genesis chapter 1, And God said, Let there be light. When God said, let there be light, there's no answer to this question that I have, but what language was it? Did God say, let there be light in Hebrew, in Greek, in Latin? I mean, no one was there to hear it except for God. And maybe it's not intended to be taken literally that God said these words, yet that's how it's depicted in Genesis chapter 1, maybe, maybe it's the language of light. Maybe it's our native language. When we have a newborn, it's not as if the baby can't communicate. The baby just doesn't have a language that is immediately understandable to us. We teach the baby whatever our native language is. If it's English, we teach the baby English, beginning with daddy or mama. Um, then words beget, begin to be added to the baby's lexicon. But it's not as if the baby doesn't have a language because the baby communicates very well when a baby's hungry, when a baby's uncomfortable, when a baby's tired. 
new parents begin to learn the language of the baby. It's both a baby's bodily movements and facial expressions, but it's also the vocalizations that come out of the baby's mouth, the baby trying to communicate its needs by how it cries, because not every cry is alike. I've always contended that our native language is the language of image. We have evidence from scientific studies that babies in the womb are dreaming. What are they dreaming? They're dreaming some type of images because of the rapid eye movements that we can observe um, through scientific instruments. Native language of images then gets translated because of our need to communicate to one another what these images are that are in our head. The things we see, the things we dream about, the things we imagine. And so spoken word and written word language becomes what we call our language of choice. And yet it doesn't stop us from continuing with our original native language of imagery. And one of the things that's so powerful about the Gospel of John is his use of imagery. Taps, he taps into that which is our heart language, using such imagery as darkness and light, of beginnings and endings, of things that evoke for us mental images, even though we're not there in the moment, we can grab hold of because of the beautiful way by which he depicts creation and God and Christ. Well, I'd like to talk a little bit more about what he is saying to us. He's talking about this one, this Jesus, the Christ, who has come. And he says very clearly in chapter 17, For the law was given through Moses. The law. It became the way by which his audience navigated the world. It was their spiritual centerpiece. It is in many ways, though, a contrast to others in the world who view the ever-changing nature of creation as something that mediates the law. John's audience was probably an audience that was um, of the viewpoint that the law was set, the law was stagnant, the law was settled. It was the law that was given to Moses on Mount Sinai, and it became the guardrails, um, the guide, the map for the Jewish people to follow. It was, in essence, a never-changing way by which to live. And yet, our circumstances are ever-changing. I enjoy sailing, as you probably know, and learning the ins and outs of sailing is, uh, for me, just a wonderful process of understanding how the wind can make a boat move and how a boat can be struck, constructed in such a way that can actually go into the wind. Not directly into the wind, but 
Um, it used to be during the era of the Vikings that basically you could only go the direction of the wind. There was about a 180 degree span that you could get a little bit of the sail uh, filled with wind and move in a particular direction, but you could never go up into the wind. There was a 180 degrees of um, sailing area that was impossible until they learned um, some things about wind and sail construction. And as a result of that, sailors could go almost any direction and by tacking back and forth could go any direction. It was fascinating to learn those things about sailing and then the equipment of the boat and you learn very significant principles that carry you through um, the process or the um, joy of sailing. What's fascinating to me though is that you learn the principles but the circumstances are ever-changing. It changes by what boat you're in, whether it's a single hull, a keel, a centerboard, whether it's a catamaran, um, what kind of boat it is changes in some ways the way you sail. Wind direction changes. The variance in wind changes. The surface of the water and the number of waves change. Other boats on the harbor or water change what you do. There are without a doubt so many different circumstances that force you to use the principles of sailing to navigate the ever-changing circumstances. There's not a one-size-fits-all approach because there's not just one size. Does that mean that there aren't any things that are, that are true, that are immutable? No, there are still principles that don't change but the circumstances are ever-changing. And it seems to me that one of the powerful pieces of this passage and of the good news is this, that the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. There is a shift that takes place as John unfolds this gospel. A major shift that says the law served a purpose. In essence, it showed to us a way, but the impossibility of following that way in every circumstance at every time. And Jesus came and offered grace. Grace in the midst of the stringent requirements of the law and a truth a truth that holds us steady, and the truth is this. God is with us. Christ is on our side. It is not a cat and mouse game where God is out to trip us up. It is instead a love story. A story of God reaching out to creation by becoming incarnate, taking on human flesh, Emmanuel. God with us. And in so doing, it seems that God has blessed us with incredible freedom. Freedom to 
choose, freedom to dream, freedom to partner with God in unfolding the future in our life. I recently saw a documentary, a documentary entitled Three Identical Strangers. My guess is that some of you have seen it. It's the story of uh, three brothers, triplets, who are separated at birth. And um, in questionable means by an adoption agency, they were sent to three very different sets of parents, particularly different in their socioeconomic um, levels and in their um, ways in which they reared their children. It's a fascinating story, and it has been depicted and shared in many settings. It um, was shared back in the 70s, but the journey took place um, two decades before that, when these three were separated. and Their names were Bobby, Eddie, and David, and they knew nothing of their adoption um, process or the purpose behind separating them. And some of that is still confusing, uh, even though there are volumes of records concerning uh, their journey. What happened was one of the brothers went to a New York community college, and there he was greeted by so many people and addressed him as a different name. And it was because the previous year, his identical triplet brother had attended that same college and had not returned. And they looked so much alike that everybody greeted them, greeted him, and uh, was thrilled that he had come back. He was so confused by this, didn't understand what was going on, until the best friend of his brother, who had attended the year before, um, started asking him questions, asked when he was born, asked if he was adopted. And then it dawned on him that he had a twin brother and he had the phone number of his good friend and they called. And they said that when the phone was answered and the two of them talked, they felt like they were talking to themselves. Same vocal structure, same sentence structure. There were so many things that were similar. And we look and we wonder, is the DNA of these individuals driving all of their decisions? They had similar experiences, similar interests in school, um, similar sports that they participated in, similar taste in girlfriends. It was fascinating to listen to the ways in which they were alike and this story made it into the news and a result of the uh, attention that it got publicity-wise, the third triplet saw the story, called them up and said, I think I'm one of you. And the three of them got together and made the rounds on talk shows and a variety of other um, ways sharing their story. It was fascinating to consider how strong DNA is, the genes that make us, the parents that formed them, and in spite of very different ways of being raised, they had so many similar experiences, similar ways of making choices. And it raises the question that some have asked, do we really have any choice? Do we really have 
an option or is it predetermined for us? As the documentary unfolds, however, we find the three of them go into business together in their early 20s. And the results were not great because they didn't think alike. They didn't want to make the same choices. They didn't agree on business decisions or how certain things should be handled. Different ways of navigating their circumstances. It turns out that they were actually very different because of their experiences and their choices. It seems God has given us incredible freedom. Freedom to choose. It seems that for us, freedom is woven into the fabric of creation. It's not only part of our DNA, but it's part of the DNA of what God has created. It is for us the hope of grace and truth. Jesus came and was there in the beginning, the Christ, the Messiah, there before time even begins and wove into the fabric of our world, our universe, our neighborhood, our personality, a freedom that is drawn toward grace and truth that recognizes that we all face different circumstances. I can't tell you what your story is. You know your story. We can talk about the truth of Christ, but then the grace, the love that comes from our Creator as we consider how we navigate this world in which we live. Will we do it with love? Or will we do it with judgment? Will we do it with kindness? Or will we do it with anger and frustration? Will we do it trying to fight against the very things that have been placed there for our good? Or we do it, will we move through the circumstances with peace? I ask you today, what are the circumstances you're facing? If we find ourselves subject to every circumstance as a determination of what is good or bad, circumstances that determine whether we're doing well or not doing well, we will find ourselves, as scripture describes, like a wave being blown back and forth by the winds and never moving in any purposeful direction. But if we cling to Christ, if we cling to that which God has done for us, has offered grace and truth, we'll recognize that the law was put there in place to show how futile it is for us to do this on our own. But when we align ourselves with our Creator, we align ourselves with the principles, the principles like the principles of sailing that can get us where we want to go regardless of the circumstances that change, regardless of the change in wind, the change in waves, the number of boats that are on the water, um, the number of uh, circumstances that might throw us off in terms of our equipment or what we have with which to navigate. If we'll understand the principles 
and then allow the circumstances to change our ways in which we approach the world because we have God with us. The Incarnation. God not only came in Jesus Christ, but God's Spirit comes and dwells within us. And that's our hope. When we recognize our DNA is the same DNA that is in all of creation, then we begin to sing the creation song that John so beautifully depicts. We begin to hear the word in a different way. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. But the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. John takes that beautiful imagery and teaches us, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. With him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and the life was the light of humanity. The light shines in the darkness, even though the darkness doesn't understand it. This is the one who has come. Come with grace and truth. We have freedom freedom to choose, and as the circumstances come in our life, may they not throw us off pace, but instead, may we move forward with an inward peace that holds us steady through any circumstance, because God is with us. Father in heaven, we thank you and praise your wonderful name. We ask that you would abide with us and somehow teach us your ways. May the law not be for us something that binds and just points out our failure, but instead may grace and truth give us life and freedom and peace. And may you abide with us and may we use that freedom to love you and love others with a passion and compassion that comes from your spirit. Thank you, Lord. We praise your name. Now may you go in God's peace, God's love, and God's grace. And may the DNA that God has woven into you be recognized by you as the same DNA that is woven into all of creation. God's touch on your life this week. May it be so. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.